This is episode number 35 with head baseball coach at Moore High School, Tim Held. Coach Held is currently entering his 11th season as head baseball coach. He has won four state championships, numerous accolades for being one of the top coaches in the country. And in this episode, we go behind the scenes and he talks about what they do at Moeller in terms of a training environment. Um, We talk about some of the overload, underload training that's been really popular as of late. Um, We go into his coaching mentors and what they taught him over the years. And also we talk a little bit about his current coaching philosophy. He's been coaching for a long time now. He's learned a lot from his previous mentors, and he's kind of developed his own coaching philosophy. So I think you guys are going to get a ton of value out of this episode. And without further ado, Tim Held. We are now live with Tim Held, head baseball coach at Moeller High School. Coach Held, how's it going? It's going great. So we just had the uh, ABCA coaching convention in Indianapolis this past weekend. I saw you there. Uh, How many years have you been going to that? Uh, This was my ninth time I've gone. And what are your favorite um, parts of going to the ABCA coaching convention each year? Uh, You know, you're walking the halls with all the biggest coaches, the name coaches. You see Tim Corbin you know, multiple times. He's always sitting in the front row, but you see him going to speaker after speaker. You know, Augie Garrido's there this year. Walk in, and he's about the 10th person I see. Um, they just have a great lineup of speakers. The The trade show is unbelievable with all the gadgets and devices that they have. And then probably the best times, the best talks are when you meet up with people afterwards at dinner or after dinner, and, and you just get talking, hitting or pitching or whatever, and you just do great things, bouncing ideas off everybody. Did you see any cool devices that you're like, man, I really want to buy that right now? Uh, I think some people around our program would say we have we have some of those <laughs> things with, with the hit tracks device and everything, but just um, – you know, a lot of the vision stuff is coming into play, you know, all the biometrics um, uh, with pitching and hitting and trying to save elbows and shoulders. Um, it, it just it goes over my head most of the time. So, you know, I want to make sure that if I see something, I'm going to research it before I make that kind of spur of the moment uh, purchase anymore. Did you have a favorite event of this year's um, coaching convention that you liked the most? Um we went to, uh, or, or after dinner, maybe Friday night, we, a bunch of high school coaches all texting and messaging and stuff, and we met in the food court and just sitting there talking, and as we're sitting there, uh, Ken Revisa, you know, one of the first masters of the mental game, was standing behind us, and one of the coaches from Kentucky went and grabbed him, and he came over, took his coat off, and sat and talked let, took all our questions for 45 minutes and this was like at 10 or 11 o'clock at night after he just got done with dinner and a an awards banquet and he was so happy to do it and, and it was awesome what what tips did he give for the mental game i'm always curious about the mental aspect of the game because it's definitely the hardest part in my opinion of baseball i mean you fail so much i feel like sometimes throughout even the course of like my career if i would have had more confidence i would have maybe and not necessarily reach the big leagues or anything, but still performed at a higher level. Was there any tips that he had for players? I think like listening to him and reading, you know, both of his books, you know, where, where he's come to is, you know, it, it's not a cookie cutter approach. Like we can't take his book and say, I need every player to do this. You know, I have to, as a coach, 
uh, find what works with my team and implementing it into my practices, but then also getting the players to understand that everything I give them isn't necessarily going to work for them. And so trying to get them, having those talks, um, getting them to take it one pitch at a time, how do I get ready uh, from the on-deck circle to the batter's box. Um, but now he's, he's really getting into um, playing well when I don't feel good. Like you know, physically or mentally, mentally, physically, whatever that, okay. How many guys are like, I can play great when I feel great today. I don't feel great. Well, you better get over it and you better find a way to compete every single pitch and get ready. So that's kind of what I've heard from him here lately in the last six months to a year since he's put his new book out. Um, but, you know, just always tidbit after tidbit is awesome. Yeah, I liked – I enjoyed going to see – I don't know if you saw uh, Dan. Was it Hefner or Hefner for Dallas Baptist? Yes, hitting? Hefner. He was awesome. Hefner. He was awesome. He, you know, I know we were talking before about how you guys do the overload, underload training here at Moeller, and he talked a little bit about that, um, that what they do at Dallas Baptist. Um, for those listeners who don't – maybe aren't aware, uh, could you go through the overload, underload training that you do? And that's to – produce more bat speed right correct that you know they have everybody's probably heard of the overload underload with all the throwing and the drive line uh this is the same principle which coaches forever have been doing it um and, and drive lines kind of taking it you know and, and now selling it and so they have a whole set of bats so a barrel loaded and a handle loaded overload bat so you swing those um and, and kind of the same thing as the pitching you just swing the heavier ones because that's going to help your bat path um, if you're a guy that casts your hands or anything, it's going to feel like you're really dragging this 36-ounce bat through. Um, so those are great for helping the bat path. Then you go to the underload, and you're just whipping that bat through the zone, and then you swing your own bat. And we did it for just a few weeks, and guys were already making jumps and seeing gains. Um, but it can be done with any any size bats or wiffle ball bats or fungo bats, um, but just a great program, and, and the hitters now feel like they're part of the part of it too yeah well we're, we're finally in january baseball season is going to be approaching soon uh, we were just talking about uh joey vado a couple stories of, of where we where i saw him re- not didn't see him but heard about him recently the reds struggled last season what are your predictions for the the reds this coming year are they going to improve are they going to improve a lot or is it going to be similar to last year i, I think it's all about that pitching i know you follow yeah. them closely oh yeah yeah I, I, you know when that's about the only game in town you know um, grew up as a Tigers fan, but they're tougher and tougher to find on TV because they stink too. So, um, but watching the Reds, you know, it's all about the pitching. So hopefully they're like you know the Astros or the Royals of you know a handful of years ago where they they keep grooming those guys and all of a sudden three of them have a breakout year all at once. But I like watching the young guys because I feel like it's like watching high school guys and and seeing them grow from start to start and at bat to at bat. But I, I think they're close and you know Vado seems like he's a good leader with those guys and he's willing to share everything he knows with all those young players. Um, but it would be interesting. I think losing Cozart's going to gonna hurt yeah, there in the middle hurt. of the defense. Yeah. Are there any players across Major League Baseball, maybe it is Vado, who you maybe study right, to try to improve, to take that, take his mechanics and try to or mentality to and relate it to your high school players, or you just enjoy like watching particularly like a certain player? Uh, yeah, I can't say there's like one guy specifically, but it's just – listening to the different broadcasts, whether it's them or Sunday Night Baseball, listen to those guys talk about whatever Carlos Correa is doing with the Astros and what his mental approach is or, you know, um, showing how they prepare. I love, you know, when you find stuff on Twitter or, or they show that these guys are at the ballpark three hours before. I think a lot of high school guys forget that 
you don't just get out of school and, and then get in the car and you go play the game. Like those pro guys make it look easy because they work for two or three hours. They're down in the cages under the stadium before they hit on the field BP, before they play the game and how many ground balls they take. So I think it's great when they share those stories so so that our high school guys see that there's a lot of work that goes into it that people don't know anything about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All the work is seems like it's beforehand. It's just – just the easy part, it seems, is is the actual game itself. Now, you being a head coach, do you watch managers and some of the decisions that they make during the game and maybe say, well, I would have done this here or, there, or this there, or maybe I'm going to take that and apply it to coaching here at Moeller? Uh, anything like that when you watch managers in the big leagues? Uh, yeah, kind of the same approach, just seeing what they're doing. I mean, we're definitely at high school level not going to get into all the shifts and everything. We, there's not enough data and – you know, one day you're, you know, did the guy pull the ball three times because he's facing 74 yeah. and, and the next day he's facing 82, you know, is that's so different. But, you know, uh, you've got such a change going on right now of, of, you know, we shouldn't bunt and just steal the base and those types of things. I see w- what the managers are doing on that major league level. Are they kind of playing into that and playing more for a big inning or, or will they have somebody besides the National League pitcher try and bunt? So I do like watching that. Um, and seeing what they're trying and what they're doing. Um, but I just love watching those guys that are aggressive. They love sending every yeah. runner from second base and let's steal some bags and everything. Um, I, I think that's the best way to play. Are you Are you guys going to continue to bunt? Because uh, it is changing, like right. you said. I mean, I see one guy's Twitter profile is literally stop bunting. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, mean, I would like to know if that guy coaches right. or if he's just uh, doing lessons at yeah, an academy. Probably that. If I'm a lesson guy academy, we're, we're, I don't bunt. But, uh, no, we're going to bunt if the situation's right. You know, uh, uh, a few years ago in 2015, you know, all nine guys in the lineup could steal a base. So we didn't need to bunt. I did not need to give up an out. We would try and steal it uh, over trying to bunt them over. But, you know, depending on how our team makeup is, how a guy's handling the bat, um, we will, if the situation's right, we'll have every guy in the lineup work on it and be dedicated to it, you know, a few times during the week at practice. Growing up when you were playing, did you envision yourself as a coach, assuming obviously like every kid you want to play in the major leagues, did you think that, well, if I don't play in the major leagues that I'm going to end up coaching someday? I knew pretty early I would not be playing in the major leagues okay. as a, as a, as a uh, short, slow guy, you know, <laughs> maybe average speed, but no, but no chance there. Yeah. No arm, you know, put him at second base. But uh, I grew up in a family of educators, um, you know, two older cousins coached and taught, um, so I knew I loved the game, and you know, going to college, I was like, "Well, you know, do I?" My, my I was from a really little town, so my vision was: Do I be my business guy? Am I, can I do I see myself wearing a suit every day, or a teacher? I th- kind of thought those were my two choices. So went into teaching, and you know, I liked math. Said, oh, I, "I usually got pretty good grades in math, so I'll go to math. I don't want to grade <laughs> essays for English or anything." And so um, went that route, and and you know, fell into uh, loving the game. You know, I was the guy when I didn't play my freshman year of college. I was like, I'll keep the book, you know, because that kept yeah. me in every pitch. I was sitting right next to the coach, um, you know, and progressed from there. And then as soon as I got done, or even really uh, in the summers in college when I didn't play, then I didn't have a summer league game, I was coaching my high school summer team uh, for my cousin. So I was in the dugout every night, whether I was playing or, or coaching third base. And so after that, that's you went to um – that's when you went to Moeller and started coaching right away? Right. So, so Yeah, so I graduated in December. Then in the spring, I subbed all around uh, Northwest Ohio, coached JV baseball for my cousin. 
And then that summer, that's when I got hired at Moeller. Um, and then been here for now I'm in year 22. Wow. Who was your main mentor in coaching? Uh, my cousin Tom okay. at Defiance High School, um, you know, growing up. And I, met, the, I met him, I think, at dinner yes, this past weekend. Yes, yeah. he was with us, um, the loud one there, you know, <laughs> running the show. So, no, he he just did a, a podcast, right? Yes. This one's going to be way better. The way better. A lot better. more followers. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, he's been at Defiance High School uh, for about 17 or 18 years. He's at Bryan High School nine years before that. So that's all I knew, his style of play and uh, very detail-oriented, um, great with the pitchers. You know, Chad Billingsley played for him, um, John Neese. So everybody knows those guys, and he's got a number of others. And then coming to Moeller High School and immediately coaching basketball, in Carl Kramer's program, doing JV and freshman basketball for him, learning his system, his style, and then, you know, coming up through the ranks under Coach Cameron and doing three years with the freshman with Ron Roth and uh, a couple years on the JV and then six years as Coach Cameron's assistant. You know, he couldn't learn from two better ones in Southwest Ohio. What were some of the biggest takeaways um, from learning under Coach Cameron and your cousin? Uh, just, just attention to detail. Just like knowing, going over like practice plans and that sort of thing. Yes, I mean, just one before you got to practice of here's what we're doing, and you've communicated with your coaches, and and they know, and this is they know this is their time, and they've got this portion of practice they're running, um, and not walking out there at you know two forty five and saying, hey, what do we want to do? Yeah. Um, so whether that's talk about the night before, communicate, email, text, um, but then getting out of practice and, and acting like it's your first practice, you know, just you love the game, you have high energy, um, you know, it's not like the kids aren't looking at you like this is a burden to be here. You know, I love being able to put my phone away and, and get away from everything for those two, two and a half hours and I can coach baseball and be around high school kids. I mean, it's awesome. I think one of the things that I've realized lately is I've, I've ran a couple team practices and it's so much harder to just be like focusing on just hitting or just pitching if you're in charge of running everything versus having an individual lesson. So how do you balance like running the pitchers? Or I know you have a, you know, I'm sure you have assistant coaches, but you know, watching the pitchers, watching the hitters, doing everything at one time. Right. It's big on, you got to be able to delegate. You got to be able to say, hey, today I am watching this and, and tell the other coaches, you've got these spots, okay. you know, or, and, and because you can't watch it all or you get to the end and you're like, I saw nothing. Yeah. And so um, just knowing you talking to your coaches and whether that means you rotate spots every day. So you're all seeing the kids in different light or, hey, I'm doing the pitching. So you guys have to run the hitting and, and, and those guys take it and, and being able to put the trust in there. You know, to to make sure we have the next great set of molar hitters coming out or molar pitchers coming out. How do you get your players to buy in? Uh, I, I think it's easier here at Molar because our competition is is crazy. Yeah. You know, they know if they take a day off, they know there's other good players in the halls. Um, so I think that they they're locked in or they kind of fall behind. Um, but you know, we try and lay things out for them, you know, whether it's uh, from weightlifting that we have everything here in house for them. Um, so they, they want to do it. It's here to make them be the best player. It seems like the recruiting process is getting early and earlier for, for colleges. Uh, I was down at UC talking to coach Guggins the other day and he's like, yeah, you know, we're starting to look at freshmen, sophomores, and even named a player here that they're already looking at. How early on can you tell if a player is going to be special? Is it when he's a freshman and he walks in, or is it sometimes even later? Certain, I guess, does it depend on the player? 
Uh, it depends on the player. Um, it depends on that physical maturity. I mean, you see some freshmen and you're like, yeah, they that guy, he can play. He's got some tools. But then are they going to work at it? Yeah. Are they going to get in the weight room? You know, you you're probably haven't been in the weight room before, eighth grade, ninth grade, and, and uh, you can throw it, you can hit it, but then everything's going to get tighter once they get into high school because everybody's going to be lifting, everybody's going to be throwing and running. So can you stay ahead of them? So some guys you can tell right away, and some guys you can look at and be like, that guy's got a good swing, but the ball just doesn't go anywhere because he hasn't hit puberty, he hasn't grown up. And then you watch him, and all of a sudden he comes back for a sophomore year, and you're like, I really like that. And then the junior year, you're like, holy cow. And then schools start calling and just blossom. So, Do you tell your assistant coaches to implement certain drills or certain things at the lower levels, like freshman and JV? Do you want, or should I say, do you want them focusing on like hitting the ball in the air? Because like we were just talking about, that's a huge thing. Or focusing on something specific, so when they get to varsity, they're already you know they're doing what you want them to do. Yeah, yeah, we like them to as closely as possible. The JVs will run almost everything that we do. Same practice plan. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah. and it's very easy when Mike Cameron's my head JV that's coach. True. You know, yeah. all my stuff yeah. is his stuff. So you know that's that's very easy. So he knows how to get guys ready for the varsity. Um, they'll run almost everything the same, so that if I come in week three and say this guy got hurt, I need a middle infielder that they have all the same calls that we do so that that guy doesn't have to learn a whole new system. The freshmen are a little bit different because um, they have to take longer to make their cuts, um, longer to get them used to practicing. You know, we'll practice five to six days a week in that preseason. That's brand new for the freshmen to practice that much. So they're a little bit different. They'll run some of their own style, different style, um, depending on what they have and different signs and things. Um, But you know, Coach Roth, you know, you're 27 or 28 with the freshmen. He knows how to get those freshmen ready. Yeah. Do you tell your hitters on varsity um, to get the ball in the air? Oh, we train for 10 to 20 degrees. You know, so okay. we're lucky to have the hit tracks machine. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of the back to the no bunning on yep. Twitter. Um, but 10 to 20 degrees is hitting the ball in the air. And so I think that's what we have to define for our hitters is uh, line drives are in the air. So we're not saying let's b- drop that back shoulder and, and turn and uh, crank this thing because in March when it's we're playing, it's 40 degrees, and you're not strong enough yet, those are all easy outs. Those will yeah. all be caught on the varsity level. So we train for 10 to 20 degrees. Uh, the hit tracks is great, so a kid can do a hitting session, and I can go in and sort the data and show them that everything he hits between 10 and 20 degrees, 95% of them are hits. And the other ones are line drive outs to the middle infielders or the center fielder. So, like, this is why we're doing this. All of these are hits. And even if you get jammed a little bit, if it goes out at 10 or 20 degrees and it's 64 off the bat, a lot of times those are hits too because those are those flares over. So trying to teach them. We've got targets hanging in our cages, uh, ropes out there so that they know, um, even when they're hitting off the tee by themselves or doing flips, they know that's what I'm aiming for and trying to get that bat bat path trained that way. Now, for pitchers, the big thing is velocity these days with the weighted balls and everything. Have you noticed any pitchers who don't really care about hitting spots or throwing strikes and just throwing hard? Because, I mean, the name of the game is – I know you know you got to throw have a certain velocity for colleges to look at you, but right. as a high school coach, it doesn't really do you any good if they're not throwing strikes. Correct. I mean, you, you got to perform, you got to have results, um, but nobody nobody's going to call. No colleges are going to call. The pro scouts aren't going to come in in the winter watch you throw unless you're throwing a certain velocity. Okay. So we're always training for velocity. Um, but you know, every year we sit down at our personnel meetings and talk about guys and 
Like these guys are throwing hard. I can't believe this guy's signed or this guy's getting looks and this guy gets everybody out. Yes, I I understand too, but we want to give our guys a chance to play at the next level. So we're all training for velocity. But when it comes to in the game, who's getting people out? Right. Whether so, you're throwing seventy two, yeah, or ninety two. Yeah, I remember the same thing when I was at Xavier. The guys who didn't have the best stuff necessarily were, were you know they were getting looks right from pro scouts. But when it was eighth inning and you need to get an out, you're just the guy who can throw strikes. Even right. at the big league level. Like I hear you hear in the minor leagues where there's guys who throw 95, 100, and to move up you have to have that velocity. But once you get to the big leagues, it doesn't really matter. It's just getting outs. Correct. I mean, look at Brent Suter. Yeah, perfect. I mean, that, that guy. That's why it took him so long to get there. <laughs> right. Nobody would trust him. Yeah. He just kept getting people out and he just climbed up step after step. I mean, it's just an awesome story in this day and age. I mean, I think last year he ended the year with the second slowest average fastball or something. And just, but he gets people out. So you've had four state championships. You've won four in your first eight years, correct? Yes. Okay. So I'm sure, I know you've gotten this question uh, before because um, I've read up on some stuff that you've did. Uh, would you ever want to coach in college? Uh, I mean, I got family to support, so mm-hmm. I think that's the tough thing. I mean, it sounds awesome. I'd love to be able to get up in the morning and be, do baseball from the moment I woke up. And uh, But I love teaching, and that pays a lot more yeah. than, than coaching high school baseball. So uh, if I went to that college game, maybe there'd be a couple nice years uh, of paychecks. But if we don't win, they're going to say I need to move on. And I don't think that anybody would ever look and, and come and say, we want you to be the head coach of a Division One baseball program. They they want guys that, that have worked their way up the ranks, that have those recruiting networks um, and all those things in place. So I would be going in as a, an assistant, um, and, and based on 22 years of teaching, that that might be less money than what I'm making as a teacher and coach at Muller High School. True. That, make, that makes definitely a lot of sense. How is this team for 2018 uh, looking this year? Uh, we returned tons of uh, – uh, infielders outfielders um you know there's been years where we've returned and and i've had like 50 at bats total coming back and uh you know i'm returning major starters you know um tyler mcdonough behind the plate and cam swanger were were all league selections jack deeds played a ton at at shortstop after um our shortstop last year got injured uh taylor hopkins at second base you know so those guys are all going to play in college all played i mean every day you know the, the Taylor, uh, Cameron, and Tyler every day, and Jack from about game eight every single day. Um, Mo Schaefer and Jack Pacetti got a ton of at-bats. Um, so our outfield's pretty wide open. Um, we need to find some guys there. But I think there's some good young, some juniors coming up. Um, but to ha- have that many at-bats back for all GCL players, that's kind of different for us. And then, you know, it all comes down to pitching. You know, yeah. Mo and, and Jack uh, Pacetti threw a ton of innings a year ago. Um, you know, end of the year, getting a lot of people out. And so feel really good with them at the top of that order and uh, pitching order and then seeing how the, everybody else developed. And then, like I said, you got to gotta produce, and then we'll, yeah. we'll go from there. And I guess it also depends on kind of how everyone, all the other schools are this year in terms of, you know, what they're bringing to the table. Have you noticed um, other teams and other players, um, are they, have they gotten a lot better over the years? I haven't seen a high school game in a while, but are the majority of pitchers throwing harder and hitters hitting it? further in the air um i would say that the velocity has gone up but really that for every school to have a radar gun that's probably only happened in the last you know eight to ten years you know back when i first started doing the varsity in in 2002 and 
we've got Andrew Brackman as a sophomore. We, we had no idea how hard he was throwing. You yeah. know, we got our first radar gun here, the old Jugs gun back like in 2004, um, to see that he's throwing 90 plus. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there has always been great baseball in Cincinnati. Um, I think that continues. So I can't say that I've seen tons of power arms come up. Um, but you just, you know, the schools just every year, like you said, this school, all of a sudden they've got these two arms that are playing great summer baseball and, and, and are going to make their high school team great. And this guy's got these hitters and holy cow. So, you know, it's just fun. And like I said, it's a, or like you said, it's just a toss up every year is where, where it's going to come from. Prediction on the season. Last question. Are you guys going to, is this going to be your fifth state championship this year? Well, you know, the expectations are the same every year. No one asks, are we going to, how are we going to be in the GCL or yeah. anything? That's an expectation. Mm-hmm. And we haven't won that in like two or three years. Yeah. And so we got to get that hurdle first. Um, and then it's how we're playing at the end of the year. You know, we, you know, last year I look at the season and told the guys, you know, we were 16 and three at one point and felt good. We were number one in the city, got the number one seed in the sectional, but nobody remembers that. They remember that we went out in game two of the tournament. We went three and four in our last seven, and it's left a sour taste. So we got to find a way, whether that starts with me, you know, figuring out wh- how this team clicks and making sure that we're re- still ready to play when we get to May 10th and that tournament starts. So love to make that tournament run, but it is so tough here in, in Cincinnati getting out of this regional, and it's a one-and-out tournament. There's so many good players in the area. There right. really is. Well, again, we appreciate you coming on today. Uh, this episode is, is definitely better than Tom's episode. You know, be For your, sure. Your cousin Tom. Um, uh, again, Coach, really appreciate you uh, coming on today, and we'll be following throughout the season. Well, thanks for having me, Patrick.